What's going on, everyone? Episode 6 of the Mass Monsters Podcast. I'm your co-host, Coach Brett. And Dan Lab. <laughs> Dan Lab. We're talking today about training philosophy, stuff that we used to believe that we don't really believe in anymore, and just our mindset and approach as we've been in the field for, how long have you been coaching for? Officially or unofficially? Just unofficially. When did you start? I started um, my senior year of college is when I started coaching Nevin, and I started doing online programs through my uh, personal Instagram, actually, mm -hmm. um, before I had the Upward account. So that was, yeah, I was 21, so I was three years ago, because I'm 24 now. Getting up there. Yeah. <laughs> I started I around. Got, I only got nine more years to, you know, screw around according to Gary Vee. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta get on. <laughs> and then um, I started around 16, but obviously it wasn't like, I knew, I, I had no idea what I was doing. I was just helping out at a gym. Yeah, yeah. But getting that experience, and then didn't really start taking it serious until I was like, junior mm -hmm. in college. So I was like, what, 20, 21? Yeah. So unofficial three years official at upward two years so been in it for a little bit yeah and clearly a lot of things changed like that one post i made of the workout that i had one. i was like oh yeah, yeah of like how you did like eight sets of deadlift <laughs> or something and they go into like 20 leg extensions like four sets yeah just train like a full meathead but i used to watch the ronnie coleman videos mm -hmm. and then just copy everything that he did so it'd be like four sets of 20 front squat, like hamstring curls and calf raises and yeah. nothing athletic based at all. Like I barely sprinted. Yeah. Their volume was super high, you know, cause they're always just looking for like maximum hypertrophy and like failure and all that. And they're on drugs. Yeah. Drugs, and they're on drugs. Drugs helped a lot. Not when you're 16 in high school though, but yeah. <laughs> so yeah. what is, um, we'll start off with you, I guess, because what was something that you used to believe like when you programmed that you saw after a while, you're like, oh, that doesn't really make sense. Or you learned something along the way that you want to steer away from that and then start up something new that you bought into a little bit more. Yeah. So, um, I think I had, I would say most of like the really bad mistakes I made was, um, was like before I was 21, like before I started coaching more like mistakes I made on myself, I think. Because by the time I started coaching Nevin and Jordan, I'd already worked with Kevin Foster for like over a year at that point. And that's when I was introduced to like people like Austin Yoakum and Grant Fowler and Jake Tura and stuff like that. So I started kind of learning from them and, you know, literally being coached by Kevin um, for like a year before, before, I before I started coaching them. So most of like the really like idiotic stuff, like what you were talking about, I did like before I started coaching Nevin and Jordan and I would say that was like you know mostly like later in high school and early in college uh making those like mistakes on my own but as far as like actually coaching um I would say like the one of the biggest switches that I had um I had talked to you about it actually like last week or this week um in our coaches meeting about how you know I was always used to power cleaning like in high school because I was a football player and I was just used to it. And, you know, I was decent at it. You know, I think I power cleaned like 235, like by the time I was like a senior in high school, mm -hmm. which isn't good. But, you know, compared to most people who like don't know how to do it or anything, like it was pretty decent. And um, then just got, you know, continually better, got up to like around 300 probably by like my senior year. And I just remember like, you know, Nevin had never seen like a weight room before. And, um, Jordan came in like after his car accident and uh, 
his leg was like obliterated. Like his doctor was like, you're never allowed to squat without a box ever again. And so, you know, I, I was still kind of like hammering like the power, like the necessity of like power cleaning. Like, oh, we're going to be javelin throwers. Like we need a power clean. And so that was like my first year. And like they still do power clean and they, they enjoy it and stuff. But I think like looking back at it now, that first year of athletic development, like you were talking about how like it takes so much to like teach that movement. Jordan had a football background, so he was already experienced with it a little bit, but his legs were so weak. He was doing all just upper body. It was all just traps and, and like that fascia movement of basically just like, you know, using his, using his energy, you know, and, um, basically I kind of looking back like at like Nevin specifically and looking at Jordan's legs, I wish I had spent a little bit more time just developing them a little bit more as athletes and developing Jordan's base before having them just power clean and like hang clean and stuff, you know, because like Nevin couldn't deadlift like without hurting his back. Jordan, you know, couldn't squat without a box. Like he couldn't deadlift 315 even. And like we were having them power clean. And like, I don't think there's anything like inherently wrong with that. I think it's like a good skill that obviously they still use now. But I just think that like looking back at it, I probably would have developed their lower body a little bit more and then used things like a little bit more like the like the dumbbell jumps and stuff like that to kind of get that explosive power. But I didn't really know what potentiation was back then. So I never, we like, you know, it was very like structured back then where I would have them do like, we would do all static mobility, like mobility ability for like the first like 30 to 45 minutes of every session. And then we would do like a med ball workout like twice a week. And then we would do like specific running and jumping movements throughout the week. And then we would lift every day. And then we would have like our throwing days during that week. And now my philosophy is kind of more like I would combine a lot of that stuff a little bit more like how do I fit med balls into the session or like how do I fit plyos like into the session like into like the actual like workout and stuff rather than just like kind of having everything be its own like separate thing you know like mm -hmm. how do you like you like to pair like mobility with like a compound lift or something like that you know so that was like before like I think that you know I don't think like I said there's no nothing wrong with having it be its own thing like I think it's a lot easier to like focus on it that way but um but now kind of learning like how programming works and like the structure of things and like instead of like focusing all on it on one day you could do like 15 minutes a day of something kind of mm -hmm. so but long story short i would just go back to kind of like doing more of the dumbbell jumps and stuff like that instead of having like them power clean and stuff as much yeah i i just remember i i mean i was trying to do power cleans because that's just so embedded in like collegiate s and c that like you it's almost like you need to do them in order mm -hmm. to be like an explosive athlete but then i watched like one dr heenan post i hated them anyway i hated doing them i, I did not enjoy doing them at all i got like 205 a hang power clean for one and i was like i just don't want to do it anymore and then um he said like it's not smart for baseball players to do because there's a high uh potential wrist injury like if you catch it a certain way wrong, like you can tweak your wrist or anything. And for baseball players, like and javelin throwers, like you need your hands. Like yeah. you might, you can get away with if you hurt your non-throwing hand. But for me, being a catcher, like both hands are very important because this hand needs yeah. to be able to squeeze and move and catch the ball, and this one needs to throw. And as soon as I saw that, I'm like, 
perfect. Like, I was like 17. I was like, perfect. I'm not doing that. <laughs> it, was like, yeah. it was that simple for me because I was just looking for a reason not to do it anyway. Yeah, yeah. And what he was saying made sense. So uh, that's when I transitioned more to like trap bar jumps. Uh, I was doing dynamic effort uh, trap bar deadlift without knowing what it was. Yeah. I just saw it like Saquon Barkley do with bands one time and I was like, I want to try it. And that's what it was. It was like a lot of sets, low reps. And I didn't learn until later. Like that was a conjugate method style of training, yeah. but it was just like kind of got lucky, I guess, and just tried it and it worked. And then the contrast training of the trap bar into box jumps. I think that was another Saquon bar. I, I mm. mimicked everything off whatever, whatever NFL players posted on Instagram. Yeah. Really. It was like the Nordics, the, like this, I didn't sprint nearly as much as I should have, but like, I love doing the five ten five. Like, not specific at all to baseball, but I ran a four one eight. I was like, that's yeah. a good five ten five time. And I was like, didn't help me at all on the field, but just to change direction portion of it too. I always thought I, if I was more serious about baseball, I wish I just followed like a legitimate training program, and actually tailored it towards more baseball specific stuff because I really just train like the football players because I thought all the baseball players train soft anyways. Yeah, which they do. They they still do like they baby it a lot like that. It's still common in the baseball world. Summer's method on Instagram does a very good job of blending like baseball specific style with also being a freak explosive athlete, which yeah. I like a lot. And then same with the Cova Sports, like they have that yep. that facility yeah. down there too. Yeah, that's just, who Easton it works oh yeah. for. Yeah, and then they just get after it. And I was like, yeah. I would because I'm like knowing what I know now and looking at it. I was yeah. like. I wish I was doing that in high school yeah, instead that, of just random football workouts I found on Instagram, like James exactly. Harrison yeah. like, posting his random shit and just yeah. doing that. <laughs> it's like, I don't know. It might work. Yeah. It's just being a savage. That's like the biggest goal for me is like with everything that I'm doing with social media and Jack Javelin is, you know, like making throwers more tenacious and I want that to carry over to baseball so badly. Like I want the Javelin style of training to like, influence the baseball world and like i know kevin did that with mobility a lot and then i want to do that with like nutrition and strength and conditioning like i think that's like my biggest goal right now is to just have it like bleed over you know and it has already a little bit but not nearly to the extent no. that yeah. like it could you the know first person i heard about like the javelin style blending it when ba with baseball was uh ben baguette i don't know if you know ben, yeah, yeah i know but ben. i listened to him on um Austin Yoakum's podcast and his story. He was on, do you know Explosive Mechanics? That guy on Instagram. Mm -hmm. So when he was explaining, he was like, I just trained like an absolute savage. Like everything we did, no matter what the weight was on the bar, we tried to move it as fast as possibly can. And, yeah. I, and he took the same approach to his accessories and he just surrounded a bunch of dudes that just wanted to throw it really hard. Yeah. And I mean, he, he ended up like tearing his like, UCL and going through Stanford and he touched a hundred. I think he touched 100, but he wasn't able to play just because he kept getting hurt. Mm -hmm. So then he, like, reworked the like still being the savage, like training wise. But then his thing was that his mobility was what he just didn't focus on because that's like, the thing is like mobility is boring. But yeah, if you don't understand the concept of it, because I remember growing up, my dad's always telling me like stretch, stretch, stretch. Like just you have to stretch, you have to stretch. And it's like so boring. I was like, I don't want to do that. Like, I want to go, like, just train. Yeah. Then, you, then you realize you can't squat anymore. Or yeah. Like your your hips are just locked up and you can't get any type of sh uh, hip shoulder separation. Yeah. Well, I think that's like the big problem with like, you know, not no offense to your dad, but like the old heads that like yeah. just say stretch. It's like, 
we were telling a kid just to stretch. Like all I knew how to stretch was just my, my hamstrings. hamstrings. Yeah. You know I mean? <laughs> but then once I started learning like the different ways to stretch, like spinal segmentation and hip IR and ER and shoulder external rotation and like, you know, really seeing what is possible when you get really like mobile pecs and scaps and stuff like that is just really, really cool. Um, and like, you know, when you tell a kid to go stretch, he's not going to go try to do like a no. skin the cat or something. Yeah, you know that's what I mean? Why like, I love it's like, you're just stretching your hamstrings. That's what I used yeah, to always do. To just my hamstrings. That's 30 it. seconds. You know, maybe, like a, maybe a pigeon here and there, yeah. <laughs> but that's why I love the, um, like all the mobility stuff you post and then medicine through movements, mobility program, like all this stuff. I'm like, I've never even like thought of yeah. doing stuff like this. And I'm feeling muscles that have never been stretched because yeah. I just didn't know about it. Like I was doing a T25, 25 minute stretch routine like every night. Yeah. And that's just like knee hug, hold it, quad yeah. stretch. Hold. Like none of it was like active or engaging. Yeah. Well, that's what I was telling. I was explaining that to the freshmen that I coach, right? Cause at Southern now I have four freshmen and then, Nevin and Jordan who are seniors and then myself who trains with them two to three times a week and like I have them all do like their arm care stuff like they're hanging from a bar and like they're doing doing bands and stuff and then me Nevin and Jordan are like warming up to throw and we're throwing weight around in the weight room like we're literally like you know we're doing the bottom half of like an Arnold press and just like getting our arms like literally like out to here get to external rotation we're taking dumbbells like swinging them over our head like uh, today i was taking the kettlebell like throwing it up <laughs> catching it and like just seeing how far i could stretch my scap and then i'm doing like a skin the cat to warm up and like you know we're holding a dumbbell off the um off the bench press to like like 10 pounds like forcing our arm into more external rotation and like we're like you know like people would watch that and say oh they're working out and it's like no we're, we're warming up to throw because at this point of us doing this for four years now, yeah. because I did it for a year with Kevin and then I taught them my senior year. And like I said, you know, this is the fourth year of me training them. It's like, you know, doing it with like J bands or a band, like is not enough. Like it's not enough for us anymore. You yeah. know, it's like you get to a certain point where like that, that's like, that's how we're warming up now is like throwing weight around. And it's yeah. sick because it's like, we're all so mobile and stuff and you see, how, you know, Nevin's PR'd by 13 meters and Jordan's PR'd by 11 and, you know, so it's, it's obviously like worked out very well. Yeah. If you did that stuff at like a baseball specific like, facility, yeah. they would kick you out. Like, they would, <laughs> Dude, they would be like, their minds would be blown. Uh, like, what are you doing? What are you yeah, doing? Yeah, stop, go, stop, stop, go stop. do your J-band routine. Yeah. We're like taking dumbbells. And, well, that's like, the thing. I was like, around. I remember being at Cressy's and I would see these, like these pitchers that like they all, their whole goal is. Like I want to throw ninety five. I want to throw ninety five. Like I want to throw. They're they're topping off at eighty four, and then you see them work out, and they're doing split squat, uh, SSB split squat with like fives on each side. I'm like that's not gonna get you there. It's like yeah. you, you throw eighty four, you're moving seventy five pounds. Like yeah, we have high school girls that do more than that, and like they're doing their J band routine and like the the body blade. And yeah, yeah. Stuff like it. Dude, it yeah. gets to a point where it becomes routine for them that it's like habitual that they just they in their mind they need to do it in order to stay safe but if your goal is from mid to low 80s to mid to high 90s obviously something's got to change like yeah. the pitching doctors great like just showing that like you need to be a savage if you want to yeah. 100 yeah like, no, nine, I know. 95 to 100 is a completely different beast like, oh i know getting That's... to 90 is not like it's difficult obviously but if like if you get lucky and have good levers and good mechanics like you should be able to get there if that's 
a main goal for yours. But yeah. to get anything past that, you have to train. It's a completely different beast. Yeah, it's just like in javelin. Like getting to 60 meters is like, like if you train javelin for four years in college, like you should hit 60 meters, right? But then it's like getting from 60 to 70 is a lot harder. But then getting from 70 to even 75 is way harder than getting from 60 to 70. You know, yeah. it's like that 10 meter gap is where you have a lot of people that fall in between like 60 and 70. And like, there's a deep, like, there's a lot of people that will throw even like 70 to 72, but to throw over 72 and like 72 to 75 is like, there's a big drop off there. Have you, you ever know? seen the meme of like the bench press progression is like road to 225 and it's just a straight line. Yeah. Yeah. And then road to 315. It's like all windy and yeah. curvy. Cause like, that's just like, it's a completely different beast. Yeah, like it's that's true. the same thing as yeah. if you want to throw ninety five. Like that's a big jump. Yeah, you dude. Track unless you're a natural gifted dude from the DR. You yeah, gotta be able to lock in pretty much everything. Yeah. if that's what your goal is, dude. That's where like my freaking what did I hit two twenty five when I was like a junior in high school. So mm -hmm. I've been benching for like, you know, like a year, two years at that point. But you know, like being super super young. So but it was you know my first day maxing. I probably hit eighty five. So went from like 85 to 225 in two years. And then from, was it junior year of high school? I didn't hit 315 until my senior year of college. Yeah. And it was like, okay, I went from 225 to 265 in a year. And that was a big jump. And then I went from 265 to 300. And then like I went, I lost 20 pounds. So then I lost 20 pounds body weight and I only went up five pounds that year. So it's like. Yeah, I only went up five pounds, but obviously it's a lot harder to do at a lower body weight. And then I was like building back, building back. Had Tommy John surgery, major setback there. So then I was like building up, building up, hit like 305 or whatever it was. And then got around to the time where I was about to max out again. And then was like doing ball throws in the winter, had a shoulder impingement, couldn't bench. And then just kind of like, like stopped benching heavy for a little while. And then another year went by and then I just like, like, it was like, all right, senior year, finally hit 315 like once yeah. in the fall. You yeah. know, it was like, it was crazy. It was like five, yeah, like four or five years went by like that from 225 to 315. Yeah. Was, I mean, I hit 300 once before I attempted 315, but I'd had to do a full eight week program tailored yeah. towards benching like three yeah. times a week. And that's, I even trained legs because I hurt my back again. Yeah. Like I had like a hip injury. So I was like, all right, I'm just going to dedicate three days out of my week to just bench. Yeah. And it took eight weeks <clears throat> to get from 300 to 315. Yeah. And that was just, oh, and all I did yeah. was just bench. Dude, that was like, I was telling Nevin that today. I was like, dude, it's kind of funny because like I look back at it. I've literally the last four years, I've just picked one lift to improve on and that's it. Like when I was 20, like 19 to 20 was when I had Tommy John and my squat was only a 365 before Tommy John. And so I got it to 465 in a year because I just freaking crushed the legs all the time. And then the year after that, I just focused on deadlift and that was it. So my bench and squat and power clean like all stayed the same. But then my deadlift went up from like 495 to 545 in that year. And then the next year, all I did was focus on power clean. That went from like 300 to 330. Then the year after that, which was this past year, I focused on bench alone, and that was like went from three fifteen to three forty. Every egg in that basket, <laughs> yeah. And just yeah, literally. And then, and then I'm like, yo, if I get them up really high, then like the baseline is yeah, like a little lower, the, and then the baseline. And then now it's like I don't have to train 
deadlift and squat and I could still deadlift like 525 and squat like 440 like whenever now yeah you know like I don't have to train for it anymore that's but, a big, like to ha- actually hit a new max I'll have to be very intentional yeah. about it you know but that's a big thing that I learned because I remember two years ago I was telling the Gannon used to work at Upward as an intern and he was the first person I met when I walked in yeah but I remember talking to him and that I was in the big powerlifting conjugate mindset where I was like max strength is the only thing that matters I was like if you just get stronger everything will get better not true because i was like because i was really strong but i couldn't jump or sprint yeah so i was clearly like missing a big key component there and i remember like just training the athletes before we didn't even like really sprint that often like we did a lot of jumps we did a lot of power movements but that conjugate mindset they stole it from like the russians and verkashansky where like all they did was just jump squat and deadlift and plyos and do all that stuff and they didn't really sprint because during the winter months they couldn't go outside in russia and yeah snows on the turf they had no indoor space and so when they came back in the springtime and they tested their sprinters they were all faster Mm -hmm. but that could be a whole different thing like whole different reasonings drugs being a big one especially in soviet russia at the Mm -hmm. time if you ever watch rocky four you know yeah everyone's blasting during those times but um i realized that like our kid, like even me, like when I did it, cause I didn't sprint as regularly as I should have, like hamstrings still getting pulled. I, I wasn't used to the sprinting volume or the capacity of it. Like I can sprint fast once and then all my other attempts were a lot slower. Like the drop off mm. was just a huge dip because yeah. I wasn't used to it. And so this past summer with uh, racehorse and operation athlete, and like doing all those programs, it made me realize like, yeah, you need to sprint three times a week. Like, the most like two to three times a week yeah. and time them or like have them be like engaging where you like you have to produce max outputs yeah that's why you see all of our boy i implemented that last summer too because i just learned more about um exacta camp would post mm-hmm. about it and tony holler and just how to like i didn't look at anything in the weight room to increase their speed i was just let's just sprint more and see what happens because we sprinted Tuesday was the speed day, Thursday was a change direction day, and then we used to have the Saturday speed class. So Saturday would do another straight line speed day. And then the PRs were kind of nuts. Like everyone, like in the fly 10, dropped close to a tenth of a second Jeez. from beginning to ap- like beginning to after the summer. Yeah. And at 5.10.5s, Ava Gloria dropped two seconds. <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. But, I mean, her first one was probably really bad, but <laughs> like she never knew how to do it. But like verticals increased, sprint times increased, their weights increased. And I realized that you can build up every quality you want of an athlete. Like you can still work on max strength. You can still work on capacity work. You can still do sprinting. You can still jump higher. Like you can do all that. Grant Fowler talks about it a lot is if you just wave the intensities of the workouts a specific way throughout the week and you spread that out through a 12 week program, you're raising up the floor of every quality that you need like mm-hmm. you need to be fast you need to be able to change direction you need to be powerful you need to be strong like you can do all that at the same time yeah like in college when we learned from the um like the linear periodization model like what they do is like they do the strength phase like the hypertrophy phase and strength phase and power phase and speed phase not saying that's like wrong in college it makes sense because they have to be there that entire time like for us in the private sector like these kids can dip whenever yeah like we don't have a guaranteed lock year-long program yeah not yet at least 
but we don't, but we don't have like a year long thing where they are have to be there. Like yeah. you can have a kid for two months and he can leave, or he can move to a different state. Like, yeah, it's not like they're committed to us. Like they're not. It's different at a college level. Yeah. So I really tried to implement that, and that's how my mind shift, mindset shifted a lot. It's like you can do pretty much every quality in a session. Like that's how I started. It's like, yeah, like power, speed, strength, and then hypertrophy at the end. Yeah, that was even like with me, like with Nevin and Jordan is. Um, I looked at their whole plan as like a four-year plan and like year one was just like learning the basics and a lot of their development was just physical development. You know, like Nevin went from like not working out at all to then just working out a ton. And like, yeah, we worked on javelin technique, but like by him just adding on all that muscle and like just becoming faster, more explosive, like to go from like 155 to 180 that he did. It's not like that hard to do when all, like you just become so much more athletic and just more physically developed. And Jordan, same thing where for him, like he played football. So I only started working with him in January of that year because of COVID. We didn't have the winter break. So for him, I was like, all right, we got like two months until the season. So we're not really going to do all that much technical work. We were just trying to have him like find the point and throw it, throw it smooth other than that, we just kind of, like I said, I was just trying to like build his base and get his legs stronger after that surgery that he had. And, um, and so that first year was pretty much just like physical development. And then the sophomore year, I focused a lot more on technique with them. Mm. And that's when Jordan like had like a seven meter jump and Nevin jumped up another like three meters, um, which is like harder to do after you've already jumped up five meters the year prior. And then last year was another year where it was like another physical development year where I like really pushed Jordan to like, you know, squat heavier without the box, like finally, and like just get his legs a lot stronger and stuff. And like, you know, put on muscle mass and kind of optimize like physical traits. And then now this year has been like all like technical focus, especially with him quitting football and like being able to utilize the, um, the fall time for, the nice weather outside that we have before the winter hits. So like, that's where being like a collegiate coach and a private sector coach, I see the difference, you know, it's like with Nevin and Jordan and like now the freshmen here, it's like, I have like a four to five year plan with them versus like my athletes. Now I'm like, you know, I really, you know, I try to do my best to like do like a three month plan and then reassess like as, as if they continue with us mm -hmm. or, you know, if they go in season, a lot of them like cancel their membership for a little while and then, they had come back in the summer, but you know how baseball players are. They got travel ball and then fall ball. And like a lot of times, like I only get my baseball players in the winter. So it's like very hard to do like throwing development stuff with them um, year round, you know? Yeah. So it, it is, it is a completely different ball game from like private sector to college sector. But you know, there's obviously like pros and cons of both. But yeah. 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 Private sector, you definitely have more like free reign to do a lot of, I guess the only word I could think of is experimental stuff. Yeah. Because like if the AD comes in and sees you doing like push up line hops, like a freaking spaz, like, ah, you might have, yeah, I have to answer some questions of like, is that really working? Yeah. But private sector, you can kind of just experiment and see. And if it doesn't work, you just take it out. Like you don't have to explain yeah. it. You're like, oh, yeah. I tried it. didn't work. I mean, it is actually funny what you said about the power clean because the head SNC coach at Southern like two weeks ago, had the baseball team in there, like power cleaning, and was like, this is the only true test of yeah. maximal power output. And I was like, 
I'm gonna keep my mouth shut and walk away because I'm <laughs> yeah. like well, yeah, Jordan, I mean, Jordan and I are benching 315, like yeah. trying to improve our velocity and their power cleaning like 115. Yeah. yeah, I'm just so like, like, all right, guys, keep, that's keep yeah. doing what you're doing. Like, so like gonna, that is, but like in his defense, like that is what is taught. Like yeah. that is if you are completely bought into the NSCA and the CSCS, like they back squat, they barbell back squat, and they power clean. Like that's like and it's just yeah. what they've been doing the past. 40 to 50 years yeah. like mike boyle is known as like one of the better strength and conditioning coaches for a while and then he got a lot of flack from the nsca he was a big collegiate guy and he got a lot of flack because he took barbell back squat out of his program now, i don't agree with it i mean I, you should still be able to squat but for his reasonings whatever it's his opinion i don't really care but just for like him to go against the grain and he just gets pretty much shunned out of it it's kind of wild. It's like they, they are like, it's an NSCA like cult. Like if you don't follow exactly what's in the handbook and the textbook that they give you, you're going to be looked at as like an outsider and you're going to get them hurt and it's wrong. Yeah. Which like, not true. Like there's a million different ways to get an athlete to where you want them to get, get them to. And I think just the book's cool to like know. But I remember Will Rattel had a cool uh, comment on Austin's podcast. It was like, in order to think outside the box, you first have to understand the box. Mm-hmm. So like get in the box, understand like why they're saying what they're saying. And then if you don't agree with it, that's when you can get outside the box and start thinking rationally. There's a lot of parrots and just a lot of people just doing exactly what's written in the textbooks. Yeah. And they're not just seeing like what's in front of you. Like you're on your 16th week of power cleaning, but they can't even rack the bar. Like they're still just doing high pulls. Yeah. Like give it up, buddy. Like it's not like, it's not worth it. Yeah. Like you could, I could have got his vertical up five more inches if we just did trap bar jumps. Yeah. I think in the same amount of time. Yeah. I like that. 